In today's installment of Unpacked. A big, so they call it a cold room. It's a big room and then there's just bodies piled upon bodies, bodies. On so, top of each other. And now you need to fight. So there are some people that are very heavy or some people that are already, you'll find that the arm is missing or the leg is missing. So I literally just walked away and I went inside the grave. What? What is it like dealing with dead bodies at your workplace on a daily? Today's guest is here to share his story. Let's unpack. Nagisani Murati is a 23-year-old student from the east of Johannesburg. From a young age, Nagisani got involved in the family business, a funeral parlor. It was here that he got first-hand experience of dealing with the cold realities of death. This is Nagisani's story. Let's unpack. Nagisani, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Okay. So take us back to your earliest memory of what the family business was about. Um, I just don't remember the age. I just remember like having to just do it um, because it was something where I couldn't back down from it. I couldn't, I couldn't say no. It was just something that, it's something that's bringing bread on the table. So you mm. can't be like, ah. Dad, I'm not going. Yes. Or, Mom, I'm not going. So for me, it was just that thing that I have to do it. So. so you were told what exactly? Do you remember the first time they were saying, you're coming with us to work and it being explained to you what the business it is? It wasn't explained to me. It was just like, let's go to work. Let's let's go and you'll see what happens there. And so. what what is that experience like? The, the, one, the earliest one you can remember? Um, at first, it was, I think for me, it was just... It didn't bother me at that point because I used to hear a lot of stories about it. So at that point, I was prepared for it. Mm. So. And what, what were the stories you heard? Because the business being, you know, a mortuary, what, what was your understanding of what the business was? I just assumed that I'm just going to have to see dead bodies every day, corpse yes. every day. So I think that, per that perception then went away when I started like going there on a daily basis because mm. it wasn't just, you know, I'm dealing with the deceased every day. It wasn't just about that. There were other things that I had to also deal with as well. So mm. I guess it was just uh, a move past from it. So, yeah. Mm. Were you um, about how old at the time that you can remember? Um, probably beginning of high school. Probably, let's say grade eight, 13, I guess. Mm. Yeah, mm. 13. Mm. So at that time, I mean, was your, was, were your early encounters that of fear or was it just getting down to business? It was just getting down to business. There was no fear at all at that time. Mm. Because I think also as well, there was that thing of, as a young person, obviously there were older people that were working there as well. Mm. So they would make sure that you're comfortable and you, are, you won't be inside the mortuary working alone. So it will yes. probably, obviously, with the elder, with an elderly person. So it was that situation. Then obviously I became comfortable enough to be working there alone. Mm. You know, even if it means at night you're mm. there alone, then it just became, yeah, it became a norm for me. 
So when you say working there, what, what work were you doing exactly? Okay, so basically it starts off, with me it started off with, obviously after school I'm going to, so it starts on, on a Friday, Friday mm. after school I'm going there. And then um, during the week what happens is that um, the mortuary as a business, they are collecting the bodies and they're coming to put them in the, the fridge. Mm. So on a Friday, it means that we need to prepare them for the Saturday. For the Saturday for burials. morning. Yes, for yes. burials. Yes. So what happens is that, let's say, for example, there's 10 funerals on a Saturday. Mm. It means that we need to take out those bodies and start coffining them. What We call it coffining. So basically, we need to take them out of mm. the fridge, get them dressed, then... You see how a coffin is all presentable and it mm. looks, you know, we also have to assemble it as well. It, it, a coffin may just, it may look as if it just comes the way it is, but we actually start assembling it, putting the screws on so it can look neat, obviously writing on top of it as well. And then, yeah, we dress up the body and then we start, like I'm saying, it's called coffining. Then we put the, the body inside the coffin, then we close it up and then we put it on one side. That's mm. the first body. Then we have to go like number two, number three, number yes. four. And then the drivers will come and start, um, they'll start taking the bodies to the families mm. for obviously they probably, you know, the custom as our, as, as black people. So yeah, on a Friday afternoon, that's the procedure. Mm. And then Saturday, um, Saturday is now where we're not dealing with the bodies anymore. Now, we're waking up in the morning and we're pre preparing for the funeral. So basically, mm -hmm. we have to go kumabicheng, you know, um, the grave, set up the tents, uh, make sure that it's presentable for the family. And yeah, that's basically mm -hmm. it. And the process again after the funeral, take down the tent, go to the, to the, to, to the warehouse. If, mm -hmm. it's, if it may be a warehouse, then... Um, we take down everything, pack again. So it's it's actually a, a lot of work, a lot of a lot of work. Yeah, and, then, and it's actually a lot of admin, exactly as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah. So prior to, um, um, or let me say, after you started doing the weekends, um, you know, you said you would be part of the coughing. The coffining. Coffining. Yes. Coffining. Um, what is the process that would happen uh, in terms of? Um, prior to all of that, because there's a point where there's cleaning yeah. and and all of those things. And when did you get involved in that part of it? In terms of uh, cleaning the deceased? Or yes. So when did you start getting more intimately hands-on with the bodies and not just dressing them up and putting them in the in the coffins? I I don't remember that part. It just happened. Mm. It just happened for me. It was like it just thought, you know it just for me it just happened where. Like it was that one day and it hit me unexpectedly, unexpectedly and just like, I, there's no one else to do it right now. So please get, and please get busy now. And then, yeah. And then when it comes to like washing the bodies, um, it's that thing of, it's either the family doesn't know how to do it. They're mm. not ready to do it or they don't want to do it at all. Mm. And then that's where we come in and then, okay, then we start like, you know, washing the body and then we have to obviously put it back into, into the fridge. Mm. And then we'll wait for the day before of the funeral. So basically, if the funeral's on Saturday, it means Friday is the day where we'll actually get busy with the work. Mm. So, mm. yeah. 
So now you go through high school, you're helping out at the family business. Is this something you were paid to do or it was just part of the family business? At first it was, I wanted to get busy. Mm. And then obviously when I'm working with the peers as well, and I see that this is how you get paid and whatnot. Then I started like obviously claiming to say, ah, I can't, there's no way I'm working for free. Then yes. yeah, then obviously we'd claim for the day to say I've worked for this day. Then yes. Claim, yeah. Yes. But and and then the family business is um who's the structure? As in is it dad's business or whose it's, business it's is it? Dad's business. So my uncle my uncle basically, yeah. Yes, yes. So he raised yeah, he actually played a big part in my life, so, yeah, I, he's basically my dad. Yeah. Mm, so, mm. yeah. Talk to us about what your, your upbringing was like with family and that you ended up having an uncle as a dad. Um, my mom, well, my mom technically, well, she raised me, she was a single mom at that time. Um, my father is still present, it's just that I really don't have a good relationship with him, mm. so... Yeah, and then um, I, I'd say uh, beginning of high school, yeah, beginning of high school was where, because obviously I became smarter and, you know, mm. so it became that thing of I went to one of the, I would say it's actually quite a, the one of the biggest schools in Joburg mm. and my mom was making ends for me to go there. And then from then, Obviously, she can't always be taking me to school every day. She can't wake up and drive me to school. So I had to learn my ways around mm. Joburg and everything. And then I started using bus, taxis, whatnot. So from that experience, I had to also realize myself that um, I can't just be relying on my mom. I can't, I, as much as she's doing a lot for me, I can't, you know, mm. always be there, always nagging my mom, hey, pick me up. And, you know, mm. So that experience alone, allowed me to start, like, um, how do I say this? It was allowing me to, like, obviously see family members as well. Because, okay, it's fine. I can just take a taxi to go and see my aunt mm. or to see my cousin or whatever. And then from then, also family members started take, uh, playing a big role. So I would start living with my gran at times mm. because I know, okay, I, if I met my gran, I can take a taxi to school. And then I moved high schools as well because there was say they there was a point where they said I was so basically I was in a private school and I was not catching up yeah. learning wise so I had to go to like a LCN school mm. you know because there was it was more intimate and smaller classes. smaller classes and, and more attention more from attention the from me. yeah so that was it and then my mom resigned from work and. That's where I started doing the up and down between my families. So I would go to my grand. Mm. Then I started living with, uh, you know. Then I went to my uncle. So my uncle married into my side of the family, basically. Mm. So it's my aunt. who They're running the business together. Mm. So I started living with them. And then they started take. they took me in as their child. And, you know, mm. they did a lot for me. So then that's when I started like working for them. Yes. It became that thing of, okay, after school on a Friday, I'm going to them so that I go to work. Mm. Then Sunday after work, going to my mom, or if I'm at my grand, going mm. to my grand, then I ended up living with them. Mm. And for the past, I think about three years, yeah, I've been there. So it's just 
yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm, mm. It was just that up and down. Um, did you eventually formally join the business? Formally, no. As in like permanent employee you are in? There was a point where I was at that. Yeah, there was. And then I had to focus on my school. So I had to step down on that. At, at. So I feel maybe if I graduate, then it will be that thing of, they'll probably pull me back in. Yes. So. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't, I don't, I really, I really don't mind. It's just that I had to focus on school for now. Mm. So, formally, it wasn't. It was there, but I wouldn't say. Like on paper, it was yes. a contract. No, you were you weren't complaining to HR about mm. problems. But no, I was no. there with the with the, with the other workers complaining. Yes, yes, yes. I understand. <laughs> I was there with them. So, but in terms of that, myself, no. So for someone who has never had to deal with the type of work that you do, what happens from your guys' end when that phone call comes in to say, what is it that takes place? Um, so basically what happens is it starts off um, with different scenarios. So it's either the disease is at home or mm. it's either at a hospital or... I just haven't dealt with the scene part. Like if it happens where an accident or a scene, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, I haven't dealt with that one before. So basically, um, if it's at home, you'll get a call from the family to say, um, obviously there's a deceased. You need to. So what happens there is the paramedic needs to declare that um, the person's the dead. person's dead. Yeah, and then the family once. Once the family has obviously been told that they need, they, the paramedics then advise a funeral parlor. They'll probably give you a list. It's always the case. And obviously that paramedic is probably also looking at money also. I'm just making an example. Yes, They're obviously yes. looking for business on the side. So obviously they need to give you a list of um, a funeral home at that time. So, so wait, as in as in they're recommending. They will funeral. recommend exactly. Oh, so, I understand yeah. what you're saying. So, so obviously, if the family doesn't say, doesn't say want then, the person who are this place, the paramedic will say, say, okay, say yeah. okay, okay. They, I actually okay. thought it's what you guys would do. It's, it's actually paramedics that actually do that. So they will recommend, okay, go to this so and so, or and then I guess ninety percent of the time. It will be that thing of obviously because um, we are aware of death in our lives, we all know that okay, we we are with this company so and so, so let's call them and then that's when um, our the funeral home comes in. So we'll get the call to say, and then we will either find no no actually we will actually then obviously we will know that. Um, the person is deceased, so we will come. Then we will do the the, the, the formation of obviously getting uh, the name of of the deceased, whatnot. Then from then um, we take it to the mortuary. And then once it get, gets to the mortuary, we come. The family will come, get their details, and mm. find out if maybe they have a policy with the, with the company, mm. or is is it just going to be a straight cash funeral? Mm. So, mm. And then when it comes to um, the hospital, so obviously if it's if the person is sick, let's say they're sick, they 
then go to the hospital mortuary. Mm. So they will have their mortuary, whatever. Then then we will come. The f- so basically, what happens is that the family needs to call us. Yes. yes. So it won't be it won't be a situation where the doctor will say no. Uh, we'll call the funeral parlor for you. So it always needs the to be family the family. must make the arrangements. The arrangements. Yes, yes, yes. And then from then on, we will do everything for you. Yes. So, so but with the body, basically, once the body's in your possession, right, because there's certain things that a body will naturally do okay. when a person dies, and I think those, those are the details I'm curious about, okay. is when you take the body, you know, what is the protocol you need to follow? How soon must the body be okay. put in a fridge? Or are there certain things like you have to close their eyes before, you know, those type of things that sometimes if, you, if you've if you never actually been around been, somebody yeah. in their last moments, you wouldn't know. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get a lot of questions like that. Um, it, those kind of things only happen when it's like at a whole, it's, it happened at the moment. So yes. the person passed, passed away in that moment. So it's obviously at home. So in a situation like that, you'll find that when we get there and we come with the stretcher and then we pick the body up, most cases that it can happen that the eyes are closed, but then you basically just close them and they they will naturally just Mm. close. And then once you pick the body up, they take their final breath. So they'll like breathe for the last time and you Mm. hear them and then is that like the, the air escaping the body? Just that Yeah, that's it's the last breath that they had in them. Yes. So then you'll hear that then basically yeah, then we Does that scare you? It I used to hear the stories and then I used to ask myself, would I be scared? So because I was hearing those stories, I always wanted to see it happen. Yeah. So when it happened, it was like, oh, okay. You were excited. It was more of excitement <laughs> then. Because <laughs> so for like, me, I feel like I would be scared because you might think is the person still is, alive. Yeah, you. so obviously because you're hearing those stories, you want to see it happen. Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, this is how it happens. And then that was the, that was the procedure. Then, yeah, you just you have to come with the body bag, obviously. So at times um, what hospitals do, they'll already put it in a body bag and they'll obviously label it for you so that it becomes an easy process of you just going, opening the fridge and taking the body. And then the difficult ones are government mortuaries. Mm. So government mortuaries, like, I think it needs to be, there needs to be more investment, I guess. So basically what happens in a government mortuary, it will be like a room. Mm. A big, so they call it a cold room. It's a big room and then there's this, Bodies piled upon bodies, bodies on so, top of each other. On top of so now in you bags need to, or just no bags, nothing. <laughs> so now it need it means you need to identify that body and it becomes really difficult. Do and, they give you? Do you walk in with like a photo looking for? No, no, they just give you the name of the deceased. So there will be a tag on the toe. Yes. Of the name, and then you need to go and look. So usually, obviously, the people that are working there they will help you. But you know how people become, sometimes they just feel like, you know the job, you know how to do it, so go and do it for yourself. And then it's just bodies are piled up, piled up, piled up. And now you need to fight. So there are some people that are very heavy or some people that are already, you'll find that the arm is missing or the leg is missing. So you need to find your way until you find the body. 
So when it comes to government mortuaries, it's very difficult, and it's it's not it's not pleasant. There's really not pleasant. Like I, I I there was a time where I think I didn't. That was probably one of the first cases where I didn't eat for the day because the smell was still there, and just looking at everything. It was. I think that was the only situation that I had where it was. Yeah. Then I had another situation where, basically, there are times where you get a a a, a body that's what we call decomposing. Mm. So. As in, it didn't go in the fridge quick enough. It's either didn't. Yeah, basically, mm. technically, or it just was found late. Yes. So if it was found late, you'll find that they start losing parts of the body and whatnot. So there's this. What do you mean? <laughs> so basically, they start it, it. Things just start getting eaten up. And then you are left with bones. It can happen. That's probably week. Probably a week. I think. I think it's a week where you start seeing bones. So when it starts decomposing, it starts from your ear basically, and then you'll just liquid starts falling out the ear, and then that's when you you declare decomposing. And then, yeah. So I had a situation where this—it was an old person who was found in a skanga, basically, in an open field somewhere. And then they found the body late, and they couldn't identify this person until, obviously, we were told that you no, know, they found identification or what, what. And then, in that situation, we, you cannot. Obviously, take that body by just the way it, it needs to be in a body bag, regardless. Mm -hmm. So, I got there with one of there's a there's a there's a old man who works there. He likes me a lot. We actually used to get along. So he was like, "Hey, I've got an exciting experience for you." I'm like, "No, man, what's happening today?" Mm -hmm. And he took me, and then we took this body. So it was in a bag, and then I was asking myself, "Why is this smell like this? Why is this smell like this?" Until we got to the mortuary and we unzipped it, and he told me to do it myself. So I unzipped it, and yo, oh, the smell was bad. Literally, you just see bones on the face. So in that situation, you cannot wash it. Obviously, in terms of hygiene as well, you can't wash it by hand. So you have to take a hose pipe and you know start washing it, washing it, making sure that all the 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 like you'll find that there's flies and whatever. So you need to make sure that it's at least. Presentable, but obviously we can't. When it comes to coffining, you can't coffin it the way you can't put him in the coffin just like that because he is already decomposing. So you have to put him in the body bag, then into the coffin, and then in that situation you also need to inform the family that um, he's actually not. Uh, you can't identify him the way he. he you know. Hmm. So best advice is, yeah, the best advice is to tell them. So that they are aware that this is what's going to happen. We're not going. You, it's either you won't be able to see him, mm. or you are allowed, but chances are you are you're not going to be happy. So we advise you not to see the body because mm. obviously it will be in that body bag, then in the coffin, and then mm. that's the process. So that experience alone for me it was. I don't know. I still. I just don't, when it comes to something where I'm working on a daily, just 
becomes like, uh, oh, okay, this is an experience today, this is something different, then, yeah, that was it for me. So outside of, you know, washing the bodies, is there something you do to preserve them? Because obviously you've got a fridge, but are there chemicals that get put on a body or something just to keep them intact? There are chemicals, um, but uh, quite honest, honestly speaking, I don't think we put them for per body, like in terms of per body. Yes. We do it for the mortuary itself. Yes, yes, So yes. the chemicals need to be sprayed in the in the mortuary, the fridge as well. Yes. So per body, it, it's probably for a, for a reason. Yes. If we do it, there's probably a reason why that they need maybe, I don't know, maybe... Even, no, no, I don't, yeah, it's probably, there's a specific reason maybe we have to put certain chemicals. Yes, like if a body needs to travel or something along those lines. But uh, in terms of, we do it for the entire mortuary. Yes. So in in your time of doing this type of work, which, you know, you are, for you, it's like just work. (laughs) But for someone like me, where... I'm not around dead bodies often. I would like it to stay that way as much as possible. Um, do you think your relationship with the dead is at a point where you are just comfortable because also it's people you don't know? I guess so. And also another thing is I, I, try, to, I try to move away from a lot of um, the, the, the cultures and the, 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 the customs that people mm. are doing as well. So if you are believing in the ancestrals, I mm. try to move away from that as possible. Because it, it happens where um, we are doing a funeral and um, it, it happens where if a person just, I guess it's, well, it is a family member, but they will come hours before the funeral starts and they'll come to the grave and start doing their things, whatever the case is, I don't know. Maybe it's it's their custom or mm. maybe they're doing the wrong thing. They're doing the right things at the wrong time. Mm. You know, I just stay away as possible. I stay away from it. So they'll come an hour before and do whatever that they need to do. And then they come with the family. Like, So I look at it like as if they come as if they were never there. You understand? Like... It's like they come with the family as if ah oh, we just got you as well, yes. you know. And then once they bury the the, the loved one, the family goes as well. They they all go. Then the same people come again, maybe an hour later, because remember we are still packing. Yes, we need to take down the tents. So they will come again an hour later, and then do something else. And then you ask yourself. What's, what's happening? So I try to stay far away from those things. I also try to stay away from uh, if there's bad air or bad energy, mm. if they say so, I stay away. So I make sure my energy is is as good as possible, posit- positive as possible, mm. so that I don't... Because I've never had a situation where I've dreamt about a dead body. I've... You know, the only the only thing that gets to me is just the smell of them. If I'm working with a lot of them at, on that day, is where I can't sleep without bathing. So I need to obviously once yes. I I need to shower, and then the but it's but in terms of eating and whatnot, you're fine. I, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, 
I don't have any problems. So in terms of your spiritual beliefs, what do you believe happens to a person when they die? I haven't, I really haven't looked at it in that way because I grew up in a Christian home, so we, we believe, uh, you know, in the Bible, we go to church. So when I also started growing up and being a teenager and start, you know, now you are, you, you are your own man. Okay, mm-hmm. not your own man, but like you can make decisions for yourself. I started, you know, there are certain churches that I also started attending, you know, I don't believe in like those hardcore mm. churches where it's, you have to do this, you have to. So I go to a laid back, relaxed, where we believe in, you know, the God. Um, there aren't rules that we must apply. And yeah, so I believe that, you know, if if I die today, I believe that I go to heaven. And mm. But as for, uh, you be reincarnation or whatnot. Mm. I don't look at it that way. If somebody I, I, would... I asked that specifically because um, I had to think about the fact that, okay, if I had to be, you know, around the body of someone I don't know, mm. now I'm going to be washing them mm. and touching them, which is such an intimate act. Am I going to be like, like... And, <laughs> you know, like, do you talk to the bodies? Do you have the, your own ritual for mm. you to get through the day? I think there are some, probably there are some morticians that do that. But for me personally, I I don't. I stay far away. Like I said, I don't, I don't want to involve myself. So if it's working for me, then it's working for me. Maybe yeah. somebody else may feel that they need to respect, as as much as I also respect the deceased, but maybe they take it to a stent of, you know, let me pray before I start working. Yes, yes, Let me yes. pray after I work. And then, but I don't think we have, I've gotten to that extent. And I've never seen, actually, I've never seen anyone there. Because I, there's a lot of young guys that work there. So it's that thing of, as young guys, we, we like messing around and joking around. So some people are there Monday to Sunday. So it gets to them mm. and you understand. You understand the behavior changes, um, the way they talk changes, you know, because not only is it affecting them mentally, also physically as well, you know. Mm. Today you are dealing with a corpse that is probably doesn't have a leg. So physically you are exercising, you are picking mm. up, down. Now you need to stitch up or you need to, you know. Mm. So it also, I feel like it does affect them because even sometimes when we are just chilling, let's say on a on a, a weekend, I always tell my friends the same thing: is that sometimes your conversations are not the same. Mm. So you'll find that the person who's working there every day, let's say for example, we are sitting with girls and we are talking with girls. The first topic that comes to his mind is, "Yo, oh, dude, yesterday." We were working with the bodies like this, 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 you know. And it's, you ask yourself, like, you can't blame him because that's his daily, that's that's his job every day. Then at the same time, 
it's scary for another person. So mm. you can't be discussing such things with other people. So I just stay away from all those those energies. And if you feel that it may be too much, then step away for a moment, for yeah. an hour, two hours. Yeah. Take a break, take a walk, or you know. But no, it does does get hectic because you know there are times where it becomes, it can be emotional. It's just that I've never felt. I've never felt that part, and probably I'm not also intact with my emotions as much. Mm. So, I was gonna say, did you have to close off a part of yourself to be able to do what you do? I, I don't think I had to. It's just that the reason why for me it's because it's a personal thing. So it's mm. because um, the way maybe you know not. I don't want to blame like fam or my father not being there, or whatever. But maybe that's because how I am. I feel like if I don't get intact with my emotions, how I'm gonna be in life and whatnot. But I've never asked, I've never asked another uh, peer at work if he gets emotional or if he's intact with his emotion when it comes to the work. But like I'm saying, it's always just guys, so we don't really talk about it. We don't really see it as well. Mm. We don't, you know. People are just doing their thing, and that's it. What about the aspect of, you know, how you need to be equipped to deal with grieving family? Because much as to you, it's just work. It's just work. Yeah. Every single time, you know, somebody has to come identify a body. Mm. Somebody has to come and wash. It's like tears and heavy emotions every mm. single time. So with that, that's that's one thing that I have not. Uh, probably got to the T, you know, like dealing with the family. Because, you know, you get different families every day, so it can happen. You just get different families every day. So if, for example, um, I go with the family to go and collect the deceased. So um, this is at a government mortuary, for example. So I get to the government mortuary and then I will be the first person to go and get the deceased. Mm. Then once I get the deceased, I will confirm that this is, then I will call the family member to say, you can come view mm. and see, is this correct? And then that's when they'll start probably bursting in tears or whatever the case is. I don't, I don't comfort them. Because I personally feel like when you comfort, it makes it, it makes the pain you know, deeper. So it's For like the person it, crying. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like when a baby falls and trips, the moment you look at the baby, they start crying. Mm. But if you look away, they won't cry, they'll move on. So that's how I look at it. I just be like they will be they will be their friends and family to comfort them. But unfortunately I'm not here for that. Mm. It's it may sound harsh, but I can't also at the end of the day, I can't be comforting everybody every day, mm. you know. So it's just that thing of I understand that she, he or she is crying. And so when once they start crying, I basically just have to zip up the body and then I'll walk away so that they can have their space to cry. Mm. And, you know, then they will eventually be like, you know, we need to go. And then mm. that's when I'll come back. And yeah. <clears throat> I get it. I get it. I mean, 
I don't think it's harsh. I think it's part of uh, managing the situation, managing yourself. Um, I find it interesting that you use the words, I don't comfort them because it will cause them more pain. But I get what you're saying is that it's going to open up the can of, of, of tears. Um, uh, I'm always, I just was curious, how do you deal with all that crying all the time? Because then also it's the, it's the funeral, but I'm assuming when you're there, you're at work, you, you remove yourself yeah. emotionally from what's going on. Exactly. So, so basically, especially at work, so uh, we, when, it, when it comes to the funeral itself, the funeral, the ceremony, when, when we are burying, um, fortunately, with, the, uh, with us, the, we have uh, divas, so it's ushers. Yes. So we, we put a line of females. Oh, yes, yes, so okay. us men, we do the work, whatnot. So if the family is crying, there's the females that will be there to comfort you, mm. that will help you, they will be there, you know, so then. Yes, I understand. Um, what, was, what is your absolute worst experience that you've had doing the work that you do? Um, now that I think of the funeral itself, I had one, oh, the worst, the worst. And it's, it was a time where my dad put me in the field. So basically what my dad did with us was he trained us in terms of like, just basic things like get your license and do your schoolwork, whatnot. Because he says, he likes to say to me that when you have, don't just wait for the time. He likes to say that we need to have our papers ready so that you are compliant. So mm -hmm. that when that opportunity lands, you are already ready. You don't have to run around and say, oh, I don't have my license. Let me go get my license yes. quickly. You are ready. So this time he put me in the field. With, with with my other brother. Um, so I think there were a lot of funerals that weekend. So in there's in Avalon, there can be ten funerals in Avalon yes. one day. Yes. And it can be five at nine o'clock and then another five at eleven o'clock. Mm. So what happens in Avalon it's it's a situation where they will never put us in a pool where the funeral is here, then the next funeral is here. Then, mm. So it will be here, then the next one. You must drive to the other section, yes. to the other section. So that day, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened. Is I was not there the day before to prepare. I think that was my first mistake. I was not there. So I was not able to check the equipment. Mm. And then we get, I just took the car and then I left. So I get to the to the to the grave, and then we start setting up. We start setting up. As we're setting up, I'm putting up the tent. I put up the tent. Now there's no gazebo. Mm. There's no actual like tent, like yes, you know, cover, yeah. the cover. And it's too late to turn back because the funeral probably starts in the next what 30 minutes, even less. Because sometimes we would work ourselves under pressure to a point where the funeral is probably on their way here, and we are only setting up. So it needs to look presentable. You must bear in mind it needs to look presentable. And there's no cover. We just put the chairs. There's no carpets. And I think the lowering machine was not working. It, was, yeah, it wasn't working. It was jamming. And it's families that are grieving. And they're probably also angry at the same time. Oh, my, that day. 
I literally took myself out of the... So once the family got there, they saw that, oh, this is bad. Mm. There's no tent. There's, now they are taking their grievances on us now. They, they're angry. So what I did, I literally just walked away and I went inside the grave. What? <laughs> I took myself, I put myself inside the grave so that they don't see me. Then they ended up dealing with the other people, with the drivers, because you must remember the, the driver that the, drove the family there. I can't believe you hid in the grave. I had, I had to do something quickly. So you <laughs> hid in the grave? I had, <laughs> I had to think on the, I had to do something quickly because I was asking myself. So how did you get out? No, no, when it comes to that, we, we know how to do, you know, we know how to strategically get out. Yeah. So, I waited, I waited, I waited. Then eventually, I think the family... Oh, there was a point where the family even took the car keys out of the car. That's how angry they were. They took out the keys, and then they were fighting, they were fighting, they were fighting. And then I think one of the drivers eventually spoke to them nicely, and then they moved past it, and they got the keys back. And then once I started hearing the cars leaving, that's when I, <laughs> that's when I got out the... And the, the, the The, if, if the lowering machine is not working, how did you put the body in the grave? I just, I think that day we just, uh, so basically at, at uh, Avalon now, we, what we call, we, it reopens basically. So instead of, uh, how many, I think it's six feet. Yeah. Or 12. Sometimes it can be even deeper, six feet. So... Avalon is, is, is all reopened, so it's, it has to be half of six feet. So you can probably be by my belly if I were to yes. get inside. Probably by my belly, yeah. Where you can still see. Sometimes it can go deeper, but reopens are usually, it's never that deep. So you can actually take the coffin itself and, and put it in. Put it I in. got you. But then there are some, there are some, sem okay, the, well, there are a lot of cemeteries where It's probably twice my height. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and again, I still have to go inside, and then you need to make a, what we call a camelo, a pillow, mm. so that the coffin sits sits well. Mm. So there are a lot of things that uh, us funeral, we we call ourselves symmetry masters. Yes. That's that's the name that that we were given, symmetry masters. There's a lot of work that um, you'll think that. Funeral parlors are supposed to do it, but we are actually not supposed to do it. It's supposed to be Johannesburg municipal. Well, yeah, Johannesburg that's supposed to do it. So, for example, the actual grave, uh, the family has to pay for it. Mm. And also, you know, maybe getting your death certificate. You know, it's it's a tedious job for a family member to 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 actually go and get their their, their death certificate by themselves. Mm. So. That's also not a funeral parlor's responsibility, but I think now most people are, most companies are starting to do that now. And then, yeah, that it, there's just a whole lot of things. And then the, 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 the backlash becomes where, it comes where they start saying, no, we paid for this. Yes. We paid for this. Why aren't we getting such things? And then it will be like, when we say, no, this is not what we do, it's going to be like, uh, we paid for so much and then you're telling us now that you don't do these things. 
Whereas we tell you that this is what we cover, mm. this is what we are doing for you, and then and it's such a tricky time yeah. because now emotions are high. Yeah. So also, it happens when you're at the grave already, and sometimes we don't have that much equipment to actually fix up maybe a grave, you know, and the people that actually do the grave are busy playing around. They're probably having lunch somewhere, you know. So it becomes very difficult for 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 uh, um, a funeral parlor or for cemetery masters, the, yeah. the ones that are working there. So because we actually the ones that actually take the 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 the, the backlash from the people, you know, that are grieving or whatever the case is. So, yeah. So, in terms of any, like, what kind of personal experiences have you had uh, with regards to dead bodies that were unrelated to work, but the things you know at work it came worked. in handy? Um, it actually happened uh, beginning of this year. So, what happened was that I went back to my mom. So... Um, me going back to my mom was because obviously I need to finish off my studies as well. And um, so it's just my mom at home. So basically she stays in a complex. Um, what had happened was she, I think she got a, cause nowadays there's group chats, you know, mm. of, the of the complex. So I think they got a message on the group chat or she heard noises or something. So, uh, she went downstairs to go and check. So when when you're in the balcony of my mom's place, you can see um, literally the opposite house. So this is, this is where it happened was, opposite the house. So she went down and she went to go and see what is happening, um, only to find out that this lady had passed on. And this lady was actually starting to open. She was... She was just a lady that used to just come in and out. Mm. So weeks before, she was actually starting to like, my mom was telling me she was actually like starting to come and to the house and, you know, mm. just greeting, even playing with the kids, you know. So when she gets there, she sees that the lady passed on and she doesn't have family members. So the she had a boyfriend at that time and the boyfriend was... So what happened was the boyfriend came during the week, mm. knocked on the door, heard no response. And because they were fighting, he assumed that maybe she's, she's angry him. She's and yeah. he would leave. To a point where he was like, no, something's not right. So he had to, I, I don't, oh, I think he had to climb the window. Yeah. So he had to climb the window, get into the window, and then he found that she's no longer. And then obviously he was able to open the doors. So in that situation, hence why I was telling you the the the, the graphical part of it yeah. is where it starts decomposing. So in her situation, she was already decomposing. So liquid was already coming out and out of her mouth. And also another thing that I didn't explain is that reasons why a body may also smell is because of what you ate that time. Mm. So if it was, if you had a, a good meal, or a nice meal, then you will, it will have a ripple effect afterwards. Mm. So in that situation, she had ate and she had also, I think she overdosed on pills. So I think it probably messed up with the system as well. So she was laying on the couch 
and they didn't know what to do at all. It, nobody knew what to do because I think, um, can I also, in, in, in terms of with culture and mm. race, mm. I think us black people are more aware about what to do. Because we deal with death differently. Exactly. So yeah. it was a white lady, so I don't think, you know, they are very, you know, um, aware about it as much mm. as, you know. So he didn't know what to do. He didn't know who to call. He assumed that maybe the hospital will come just fetch the body and that's it. And then, okay, the paramedic came. Then that's also another situation where I told you about where the paramedic will advise uh, who to go to. So this lady, <laughs> she was already, I think she was calling like a friend or something mm. to come take the body. At that time, I just don't know why I didn't call uh, our family because I don't, I don't think it was... So if, if she doesn't have a family, what we call it is a pauper. So they bury you for free, mm, basically. The and then the government you. will, yes, the government will pay you. So in our family business, I think we did that years ago. We don't, I don't think we do them anymore. So in my head, I assume that ah, it's probably going to be a pauper situation. And a pauper situation happens for small businesses. Mm. So we, I was just like, ah, no, there's no need. So there was a, there was a the paramedic obviously declared death and then they called the funeral parlor. And it was a funeral parlor around the area. And weird, it was very, very, it was not weird, but it was also a bit like disappointing. They didn't know their job properly. Mm. So that's where I came in and I ended up doing the work that I do on mm. a daily. Mm. I got mm. there, I ended up taking their stretcher. They didn't even come with like a body bag or anything. So you were working for free for basically on that day. On that day. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, then actually, yeah, they actually saw that, you know, this guy actually knows what he's doing, and you know. So from then on, it was just one of those experiences where outside of work, you know, it was something that I just do. And, and, and my sister as well has had a situation like that. So her, my sister, meaning um, my uncle, that's her dad. Mm, mm. She also had a situation where she was at a friend's house and the mom passed on. Yeah. And she knew. She, the Everything friend was, that she needed to mm, do. Yeah. The friend was the one who was panicking. She was just relaxed and she knew what to do automatically, like put the body like this mm. and, you know. Mm. She knew automatically. Is this what you, uh, or let me rather say, what do you hope to do with the rest of your life, and especially with regards to your profession? Um, I don't think I'll... If, if it can happen where I could, I could work there, but I don't think that's my goal in life because I've obviously got my own things happening on my side, um, of which also the family encourages all of us in the house um, in terms of finished school yes. and whatever you feel like you are going to do, they were they're willing to invest their time, their money yeah. for it. So it's that thing of as much as it's a family business, I don't think they want, I don't really think they want us to like focus on it as much. Mm, 
Mm. Because right now where it is, it's an independent company. So it runs, it runs with or without you. Yes, yeah, so yes, yes. It's more of us, we need to just focus on our books. I'm starting marketing. Um, I should be finished next year. Hopefully I'll be finished and I will get gain my experience. And at the end of the day, it's not like I also want to work forever. I yeah. also want to do my own things as well. So yeah. Also um, hustling as well. As as I was working uh, at the funeral part, I would like to say it as my hustling ways. Yeah. It's just me, Kapanda, you know, just doing things that I can do here and there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and then yeah, I guess I guess maybe the important part is that for us to know the business so that maybe when they're not around that you can you, take over. They probably step in as yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so but in terms of in the future right now I don't I obviously because work experience once I'm qualified obviously I would have to go there. Yeah. And yeah. use my qualification as it should. Yeah. And I think I think it's great that you have the opportunity to explore that or something else oh. as opposed to feeling like you don't have anywhere, yeah, anywhere else to else. go. Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for sharing your story and for, you know, sharing this sort of morbid <laughs> type of subject in a way that for you it's work. And the thing is, somebody's doing it and I'm happy that the industry does their best to protect the family from the harsh realities of what you guys have to experience because for them it's their it's their loved ones and they get to have a dignified uh, send off but thank you so much for chatting to us today no problem thank you so much wow. hashtag unpacked with Rilebukhile. what do you think about what we're talking about today do you, do you think that you would be able to actually wash a dead body not somebody you love but just do that on a daily for your job would you be comfortable around dead bodies the way our guest today has been let us know your thoughts thank you so much for joining us have a good night next time on unpacked i need to move these things this is gonna hurt my baby now i'm thinking to myself i don't need to move anything because there is no baby this time is gonna stick this time this is the real deal this is my, this is my baby. This is my. It's a human. What you are telling me is that I'm carrying an embryo that you can't save. That you got. You guys are gonna let die. for watching Unpacked with Rilebukhile Mamoja. Make sure you subscribe to my channel where you can get to watch more episodes. But more importantly, you can be part of our online community. Comment down below, share with us who you'd like to see on the show, what story you'd like us to discuss. We love engaging with you. Keep it coming and don't forget to subscribe.